0: just in case there's anyone here that doesn't know who I am. I'm Kim Boatain, the youth director at church for the harvest here and my husband, Joel. Um, and, uh, I first, uh, started in youth ministry here in 2011. I always get confused with timelines cause, uh, we be- we started attending the church in 2006, um, But uh, I'm just so blessed to be up here today. I'm really excited because I know God has given me this message. Um, He actually did two years ago, and I'm going to share that with you. But today was the day it was supposed to be brought to you. Um, I want to thank Mike and Rhonda for the honor of standing up here and for trusting in the Lord that's inside of me. Um, So let's just start out in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I'm excited to deliver this word that is from you. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that the words would come out exactly the way you want them to, that it will not be about me. This is not about me. This is not about man. This is about Jesus Christ and lifting up his name and lifting up my pastors. And I just pray, God, that You will go before this, open the hearts, continue to open the hearts. I know you've already begun to, continue to do that right now in Jesus' name. All right, well, the name of my message today is Second Chair Leader, as you see up there. Um, I'm going to start out, I have a few little stories because I need to bring you on this journey with me. Uh, First of all, I'm going to start out sharing a little bit about myself growing up, because not all of you know that, Um, but I was raised a preacher's kid. Um, My dad ran from ministry because he was the introvert that absolutely hates to get up front. And he also was just not much of a talker. If you know my dad, he's usually there for a very short time, and then he disappears. And so uh, he, when God asked him and called him into ministry, he's like, you have got the wrong person. I hate talking. And I said to him, I go, I was going to say that you said you hated people. And he's like, no, I don't hate people. But he did always used to say when I was a kid that he wanted to go live in the mountains all by himself. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> so uh, that's, I just want you to get a feel of what kind of man he was, that he did not want to go into ministry. But he was more miserable running from God than he was accepting the call. So this is, I'm going to show you, hopefully I go the right way with this thing. No. There we go. This is my mom and dad and myself and the first church that they pastored. I know you can just see the steps of it. Um, It was a tiny little town in Napoleon, North Dakota, which is 75 miles from Jamestown, 75 miles from Bismarck, if you know North Dakota at all. And so um, I think I'm about eight years old there, not positive. but um, So what I want you to understand, in this church, when we got there, it was about 30 people. And uh, so when you're in that small of a church... You obviously get really tight with the people that you're there with. Um, I remember, and I love to eat. I'm actually still pretty small at this point, but (laughs) I loved eating. And uh, every Sunday night after church, we went to somebody's house for pie, for ice cream. And uh, there was a lot of German ladies there, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with Coogan. But it's a German dish. It's like a, a crust with a custard and fruit in it. It was absolutely amazing. But we got together on a weekly basis, and we, we ate, we fellowshiped, we were together, um, cried together, laughed together, celebrated together. Like, I just want you to get how tight-knit of a family this was. So it's been a few years into my dad's ministry in Napoleon, and the church has grown a little bit. Um, At this point, uh, a couple men in the church rise up and try to kind of overtake. If you know my dad's character, he is a very... He is the man who wants peace beyond all things. And I kind of married a man like that. But he is... He is the man that is humble and kind and generous and giving, and he just wants peace, but he also had to go by the Lord's will. And so one man rose up and wanted to make the church non-denominational. Another wanted to make it word of faith. There was this big fight in the church, and Dad just didn't feel that that was what was supposed to be done, so he wouldn't make the change, and half of the church walked out. And I remember as a young girl not being able to understand how could these people that we have lived life with, that we have been so close to, how could they just like abandon my dad and my mom? Like I, I couldn't understand it. And, and I want you to understand over the years of being raised in a preacher's home— the pain that I watched my father go through, you know, not everyone sees that, but I would see him sitting in a chair at home and just meltdown and, and again, not understanding like why these people were doing that. Um, and so I had to share this part of my journey with you because I lived with a first chair leader and I have watched not only with my father, but in many. Ministries that I've been part of and pastors over the years, the pain that they have suffered being a first chair leader. And so I want you to just kind of grasp that and, and understand that part of my journey that the Lord already was making me and preparing me to be a protector for pastors because he just placed that in my heart. So now we're going to jump ahead quite a bit to 2017 and in this picture it's the staff that uh, went to the art conference two years ago um, in Alabama at the Highlands Church and it was our first time that we got to go to this leadership conference we were super excited and just to give you a little bit of information because I can I'm a very detailed person just ask my husband So I'm trying to cut out a few of the details. Um, but So it's the last day of the conference, and uh, I I am the girl that marks and stars and highlights every class she's going to. Like, it's just how I am. And so I'm really excited. This is the last class that I get to choose to go to. And uh, I've already chosen the class that's in the big auditorium. It's a big-name leader. And it is, sorry, how to become a game-changing leader. And so, like, I'm really excited because I want to become a game-changing leader. Like, I can just see the flashing lights. I'm just excited. And so I'm getting my stuff together. I'm getting ready to go to this class. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, Kim, no, I don't want you to go to that class. And I pause and like a little girl with her dad. But I want to go to that class. And, and he's like, no. So I go through. I'm looking at the classes that are still available. The class that I feel called and prompted to go to is second chair leader. Getting it right with your pastor. Upstairs. Smallest classroom. No name speaker. No more flashing lights. Um but what happened to me in that class that day? God already had started putting something in my heart, like a protector spirit over my pastors, but that day he changed me to a whole new level. And I knew that I was gonna be sharing this message someday because he told me that I would be. Um, I I was so emotional about the class that I couldn't even talk to Mike and Rhonda about it for even a week or two after. And when I did even then, I was crying so hard that I don't know if they understood anything I said. But uh, it it just God really just put this inside of me. And my hope and my prayer is that God is going to place the same heart inside of each of you that he did to me that day. So what is a second chair leader? A second chair leader is anyone who is not first chair. Oops. Oh, there. Thank you. (laughs) Anyone who is not in first chair, which is me. And just so I tell you this, I'm going to probably be pointing down here a lot today because that's where Mike and Rhonda usually sit. And I don't want you to be like, what is she pointing at? (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) So, so uh, Mike and Rhonda are obviously our first cheerleaders, and also if you are a second cheerleader, the other thing that I have up there is you are someone who believes in and serves the mission and the vision that God has placed in Mike and Rhonda. And so, if you are like, well, I don't know what our mission and vision statement are. Here they come. (laughs) So our vision statement here at Church for the Harvest is equipping Christians to live irresistible lifestyles and to engage in influential works of service for God's kingdom. Our mission is to do what it takes to reach and disciple people for Jesus Christ. So if you, as a person that attends Church for the Harvest believe in that vision and mission that God has placed in Mike and Rhonda, that we are equipping each other so that we can be ready to go out there to change the people in these walls, but also to go outside of these walls and make a difference and bring people to Christ, then you are obviously a second chair leader like I am. So I'm gonna, I want you guys to turn to a portion of scripture that is going to go with, the show an example of a first and second chair leader, and I didn't put all this one up for you guys, so hopefully you'll look it up with me to follow. Um, it is 1 Samuel 14, 1 through 7. This is a story of Jonathan, Prince Jonathan, and that is uh, King Saul's oldest son who is to take his place as the king just so that you know I'm giving you a chance to find this so I'm going to read this one day Jonathan son of Saul said to his young armor bearer come let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side but he did not tell his father Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahaziah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Hittub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes, and the other Senna. One cliff to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few." Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. So there's a couple things I want to discuss with you in this portion of scripture. Um, It just kind of brings the scripture to light a little bit because that's the most of the scripture we're actually going to read today. Um, I looked up in some of the concordances a little bit more deeper on the story. Um, One, in the Matthew-Henry concordance, they believe, they have real reasoning to believe that Jonathan had a divine impulse inside of him to do this. It wasn't just like this prideful young guy that was just doing this crazy thing. He really felt an impulse by God that I can do anything with God. I mean, if you even think about David, who went up against Goliath, the great faith that had to be inside of him. Same with Jonathan. I mean, there were thousands of Philistines, and he is asking his armor-bearer to go with him alone. So uh, the other thing that was very interesting, I don't know about you guys, but I am afraid of heights. So the first thought that I had is, what were these cliffs like? that Jonathan is asking his armor bear to go to I literally can climb up three to four rungs of a ladder and I get dizzy because I just start like this so I'm just like these cliffs it says in Tyndale that they were the last route anyone in their right mind would take that they were so dangerous and so I want you to just get a little bit more of the picture of this conquest because it's easy to look at it and be like, oh, well, you know. Um, then the last thing I want us to discuss about it is the armor bearer. What was an armor bearer? The armor bearer is only talked about in the Old Testament, and he was a devoted personal assistant to his leader, in this case, Prince Jonathan. Um, he was the carrier, carrier of the armor into battle. He fought alongside of his leader. He was his protector, his bodyguard. He was there to encourage him, lift him up, build him up. And this is the awesome part. The armor bearer in this story specifically was of one mind with his leader. I mean, I look at this armor bearer, I don't know about you guys, but I think of what a faithful man He was, if you and I, well, maybe just me, I won't put you in that place, but if I was him, I would have so many questions for Prince Jonathan at this time, Uh, and I already kind of talked about the cliffs, but that would be one of my questions, what are these cliffs like, how high are these cliffs? Another is, so no one else knows we're here, right? Right? Your dad's next door with 600 men. Should we ask him to come and help us? Um, you know, there's just so many questions that you could be asking. Another, did you say perhaps the Lord will be with us? Or maybe, or did you really hear an audible voice of God? Like, I mean, I'm just thinking of all the things that I would have asked. Um, The other things that this armor bearer did not do was he did not try to get him to think the way he did. Like, you know what, Jonathan, I think we should do it this way. I think we should try it this way. He doesn't point fingers at him and accuse him. He doesn't discourage him. Like, you know what, Jonathan, I'm a really young guy. Um, I got a wife and kids, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but this is life, this is a risk, and I could lose my life today, and, you know, he could have really discouraged him from this, but he doesn't, and the one thing that really hit my heart is, he doesn't abandon him because this is hard, and because he could die that day, he doesn't abandon Prince Jonathan, he stands by Jonathan, he says, go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. He says, I believe in you. I believe in the God that placed you in this position. I believe in your, your leadership. And I believe that you really care about our people. And you're fighting for our people. This is not about Jonathan. This is about your, God and the people that you have, that had placed under you. So God had placed a vision inside of Jonathan that day. And what I want us to think about is God has placed this vision into Mike and Rhonda here at Church for the Harvest many years ago. Um, We need to take some of these things that the armor bearer did and did not do and think about them as second chair leaders all right, this one's really good. Oh, they already put it up there. They're too fast for me. <laughs> okay, um, this is an equation that I got at the class that I, I personally thought was phenomenal. Might step on my toes a little bit, but that's okay. Um, I just got to take one more drink here, but it is Mike and Rhonda's vision from God plus my complete ownership minus my unnecessary agenda plus my high-capacity leadership on their behalf equals a healthy relationship and a healthy church body. And I thought this equation was really powerful. And I'm going to use myself in this part of the equation. But the only minus in the whole equation, if you look at it, is my unnecessary agenda. So I'm going to talk about me, Kim, my unnecessary agenda, because I don't know if any of you would ever bring that in, but I'm sure that I would. And with that, I need to remember in this equation that it's not about me. It's not what I think is right. I need to stop worrying about Kim and focus on what is really important. It's so easy sometimes to bring our own agendas in to things and um I just want to share I know I'm kind of a storyteller here today but there's just so many things that's happened in my life that I feel like could make you have more understanding and open your heart to this. So when Joel and I like I said we started attending the church in 2006, we became members in 2007. When we became members, I started helping in the youth ministry right away because my heart was always in youth ministry. And so what happened is that about a year in, we had, uh, Christina was leading at that time, about a year into me helping in the youth ministry by Kathleen's side, um, I heard the Lord during my own devotion time say, Kim, you're going to lead the youth at Church for the Harvest someday. And I was just kind of like, am I hearing things? Well, this isn't something you're going to go tell your youth pastor that you're going to take her position. So it was just something that I kept inside of me, and I just knew God had spoken it to me. And so Christina then, at a point, decided to resign. She just had stuff, she she just felt called to resign. And so it's been at this point probably about two years since the Lord had spoke this to me. And so I'm like, here it is. This is where it's going to happen. I'm going to, you know, God spoke this to me. Well, guess what? I didn't get even considered for the job. <laughs> and what I want you to understand is I was... A little like okay God what's going on but I could have at that point been hurt offended walked out angry whatever you know what I'm saying like I should have been the one you know you can take on pride and all this stuff um, but no I didn't I stayed faithful where I was at and I served the next leader who was also a best friend of mine and the cool thing was That during that year that he was the leader, he ended up getting a full time traveling position, and I had to step up and lead more than I ever had to. And during that year of his leadership, God grew me and changed me. And then when he stepped down, that's when the Lord brought me into play. And the reason I want you guys, I want to share this with you guys, is sometimes we get things that we know God has planted in our heart, we know that he has spoke this to us, and we try to push it into existence before it's time. We try to push our leadership and we try to make something or force something happen that isn't ready. And we need to just wait for God's timing because and we need to trust that God is going if if This is a call on your life or something is meant to be. There's nothing that can stop God from it going forward. So it is going to happen and we need to trust God. And we need to trust the people that God placed in our leadership. We need to just say, I know God placed Mike and Rhonda in this position. So just be faithful where you're at. The next slide um, that I'm going to repeat twice because I thought it was so good. God will never establish you as an authority until you have first learned to submit to authority. Might be a little ouch, but it's really good. God will never establish you as an authority until you have first learned to submit to authority. There are times, again, pointing my own at myself, that I would get off on my own tangent and be like, hmm, you know, I don't know about this and I don't know about that. And the Holy Spirit would kick into play real quickly. Kim, did I put you in first chair leadership of this church? No. Then you stay where I have placed you. You be faithful there and you know that I have placed them in first chair it's very easy, you guys, to criticize when you have not been in somebody's shoes and in somebody's position. I think we all get that. Um, it's very easy to get uh, become offended. Um, and I, being raised in the church all my life, I have seen more people walk out the doors of churches because of offense than anything else. I mean, it is... It is absolutely crazy. I, this is just my own analogy, but I really feel that the enemy, Satan, takes this, this handful of seeds of offense and throws them out every day. And if one person, 50 people, whatever, will swallow that seed, water it, feed it, it will become a bitter root, which can then, it will, it will destroy your relationship with your church body It will destroy your relationship with your pastors. And it can destroy your relationship with Christ. And I just want you guys to know that offense is poison. And he is always trying to put it in all of us. Because he knows that. The enemy knows the destruction. Like he even tries to do it with us as staff. Things will rise up in my mind about other people. But if you want to know, Kim, how do I keep the spirit of offense from coming off on me? This answer might even sound too simple, but Pastor Mike stands up here all the time and shares, what does it take, you guys? It takes being in the presence of Jesus. Because when the voice of God becomes so strong in you and the Holy Spirit that you spend daily time with him, Reading the Word, praying, worshiping God, the Holy Spirit and his voice become so loud that you can't you maybe can hear the enemy, but god's voice will push that out, and that is what we need you guys we have got to we have got to have time with Jesus, otherwise you just you're just going to keep listening to those lies of the enemy and um and, the, and our first chair leaders, they need us to be armor bearers in the spiritual, in the natural too, obviously. So many of you are servants in this church and give so much. But we also need to take our weapons up in the spirit realm and be fighting for our church and fighting for our pastors and fighting for our, this community and this country. The other night, so I was thinking about the message. I've dreamt about the message even a few nights. (laughs) Okay, so I was just laying there and the Lord said, So Kim, what if I have two opposing people in a battle? How would you get information from the enemy? How would someone get information from the enemy's side?" So I was just laying there thinking about it, and all I could think of was, well, maybe plant spies. There would be spies in the enemy's camp, and then they would come back. That was all I could think of when I was laying there. And I just thought that was, this was so cool, so I had to share it with you. And the Lord said, Kim, you have a spy right inside of you, and that's the Holy Spirit. And if you listen to his voice He will alert you to the enemy's plans. And he will give you that information so you can fight. And when he comes alongside, you can be like, that's old news. I already knew about that, and it's defeated. It's done. But I believe the enemy, not that I want to give him a lot of credit today, but I do believe that the enemy uses a lot of tactics Offense, division, pride, selfishness, um, all these things keep us from working together, um, keep us from a relationship with him. Um, and the reason that I really believe that the enemy does bring especially offense on us so much is because he knows if he can keep us divided you know the saying, united we stand, but divided we fall. And if we stand together, I think even just in this church building, if we as a church would just stand together and stand together with our, our leaders, that we're unstoppable. Like we hold so much power in the Spirit if we would just grasp that and come together in unity instead of fighting each other about our own selfish agendas, which usually come from pride, which I heard Jensen Franklin say this one day, and it was so powerful. Pride made an angel into the devil. And I was like, wow. But you guys, it's just like, We need to come together and we need to stop worrying about our own selfish selfish agendas. Another thing, sometimes, again, use myself, but pointing the finger in an area that I think needs change. That area needs to change. I don't like the way they're doing things. This, this, this. And the Holy Spirit said, this is what I want you to do. You point your finger back to yourself and say, Kim, what can I do? What can I do to make a change in that department? What can I do to make a change in that area of that age group or whatever it is? Instead of pointing fingers at an area, what can I do to rise up and make a difference? So Jonathan, I just want to go back to the story. Jonathan and his armor bearer that day had a great victory. It was really cool. They went. They went to fight, just the two of them, didn't tell anyone. They killed about 20 men that day. But because the soldiers saw them fighting from Saul's army, they alerted the rest of the army. They came. It was still 600 to, compared to thousands of Philistines, but it says because God was with them, they had the great victory. I also believe because of the great faith that Jonathan had and because he had a faithful man by his side who believed in him unconditionally and knew God had placed him here for this purpose. Um, I just had put a slide up about the great victories. These are just some things that I have seen, after being in this church so many years, we have had so many great victories in this church. I have seen so many people healed, either emotionally, physically, marriages, Um, so many people that have come to know Jesus Christ inside the church walls, outside the church walls, in different states, in different countries. Like, God has done great things at Church for the Harvest, and I really believe that our greatest victories are still to come. But we just got to stand together in unity and fight with our pastors, not against them. I'm going to have the next scripture put up before I close. Um, it is First Thessalonians five, twelve, and 13. Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you to give you spiritual guidance. Show them respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. The spirit of an armor bearer or the spirit of a second cheerleader is of laying down our life, it's being a servant, it's being humble. That's who Jesus was. He laid down his life. He was humble even to the point of death. And that is what we as Christians are living life for is to become Jesus. I'm just going to close us in prayer today. Um, If you guys would just stand with me. I'm just first going to pray for us to have unity and that, that if there is any, any seeds of offense or anger or just pride or whatever it is, that those would just be destroyed today and that we would rise up together in unity. So I'm going to just lead us in prayer for that. Just open your hearts and receive that today. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for these people that have come out today. I believe they were here to hear this message. I believe that you wanted them here, that they are part of this battle. They are here to fight with our pastors, to make a difference in the kingdom of heaven. I pray, Lord Jesus, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, That if there are any seeds of offense, there's any destruction, any bitterness, any anger, anything inside of any of us, God, that would keep us from moving forward in unity in this church body, that it would be gone right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And that the spirit of God would just fill them, fill them with peace. Fill them, God, with the spirit of the armor bearer, the spirit that stands beside their leaders and says, I am the one. I am here to serve with you. I believe in the God that placed you here, and I am standing beside you to fight. And I just pray right now, Jesus, that you will place that spirit inside of them, just change us God to be more like you and then uh, one last prayer that I want us to pray together Um, I know that I believe most of you are Christians but we never want to take that for granted we're so blessed that we can come together freely and worship and pray and so I just want to lead us in a prayer. And if, you know, maybe you've accepted Jesus 10,000 times over, but I had a youth pastor that once said this to the youth, and I never forgot it. It was when we lived in the South. He said, if you got to ride this altar to heaven, baby, you ride it. (laughs) And I will never forget that because you know why? The enemy always wants you to think that you've asked for forgiveness too many times and he'd played that game with me as a teenager all the time like like no you've done that too many times you've gone too far you've done too much and so today even if you're feeling distant from god just when you speak this just really receive it in our heart your heart and so if you guys would just repeat after me in this prayer today dear jesus I know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by you. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life and heart, wash me clean change me to be like you forgive me of my sins in Jesus name amen thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's word my prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like for more information about Church for the Harvest schedule ministry times and meeting place please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.